0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Kane is in the building. Yeah.
1: All right, all ready, the show goes on all night Till uh. the morning we dream so long Anybody ever wonder when they would see the sun Just remember when it come Shots up like The show What's up?
2: and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Joining me today, I hope he's happier than an unhappy pharmaceutical exec. It's Josh Brown. Josh, what's going on?
1: Hey, hey, hey.
2: <laughs> and she's taking a break from building her potato masher collection to join us. It's Denise Ackerman. Denise, how's it going?
0: Great. I'm happy to be here. The two <laughs> Joshes once again. Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, we, we, we 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 had to, we had we had to reconvene the Jew crew for the second time in as many years because last year Denise and Josh joined me to talk about uh, Shiva Baby and th- I found another movie with the tenuous connection to Judaism and I consider <laughs> Josh and Josh an honorary member of the tribe and we by and the way were- I did not ask for that I don't want to be canceled <laughs> my whole life <laughs> no, no. All, all those all, all those disclaimers again you made it through the Shiva Baby pod uncanceled so I think people are yeah people are <laughs> I have- two and
0: endorsements I,
2: I think there's probably some corners <laughs> of the internet where no, I'm careful, everyone, every, but, everyone, everyone absolutely loved it. I promise.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: By the um, way,
1: for your listeners, we spent like twenty minutes going over like Thai food. Like, 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 none of us have it right now, but like, we went through like. Well, Denise just did. Order. Yeah, that's true. Oh,
0: yeah. As of this recording, I I had green curry with with tofu. It was great here in New York. Listen, there's so many good Thai places. It's like you could never even go to your favorites more than once. It's a crime. You got to try them yeah. all.
2: Yeah, we might find Josh like you know the best, the best, the best Thai food in Broward County this Saturday for all we know. Let's so, do that. Let's is, do that. We'll quench his craving that way.
0: Um, exactly. But uh,
2: to 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 get back to the uh, matter at hand, uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth is the uh, newest original film release from Apple TV+. Plus it is it was a kind of a Sundance hit written and directed by Cooper Reif who first came on the scene a couple years ago with and when he won all the awards at South by Southwest for his feature debut shithouse when he was only like 22 or 23 years old now he's like you know 24 or 25 years old with a new movie that got bought for 15 million dollars in Cha Cha Real Smooth Cooper Reif plays uh, in addition he, he pl- plays the lead role in addition to acting in, in, in addition to writing and directing he plays Andrew who is uh, fresh out of college at Tulane trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life working at a restaurant called meat sticks in his mall in suburban new jersey uh and then all of a sudden when he uh is you know uh deputized by his mom to chaperone his brother to a bar mitzvah he ends up you know becoming the life of the party when he takes his brother to the bar mitzvah party and you know is able to uh start start somewhat of a career as a bar mitzvah party starter in the process of doing so he meets a mom uh played by dakota johnson named domino and her daughter lola who is in the same grade as all the kids going on the bar mitzvah circuit but she's a few years older because she was started later in school because she was autistic And because she is autistic and uh, Andrew kind of befriends Lola and Domino and we kind of see him kind of coming to grips with like, you know, what he is going to do with his life while he kind of uh, develops this friendship with them. And we see him kind of trying to figure things out all along the way as movies about young people tend to uh, follow that kind of course. I guess first I want to I want to start with uh, I want to start with Josh, because I was like, I I guess I kind of I guess I was like at first I was like really excited to recommend this movie to people, Josh. And then like, you know, you, you guys saw it a little later than I did. Cause I first saw it at a virtual screening at Sundance and then, uh, once the actual review started coming out for the movie itself, there was a little bit of a backlash where people talked about how it was like, you know, oh, is this just kind of the typical Sundance coming of age story about like a uh, an immature guy trying to find his way? And I was like, you know, I actually don't know as many of those movies off the top of my head as I would think I know. But I bet Josh has a better like, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of film than I do. He probably has more reference points. This might not be as original to him and as fun as it did to me. And I kind of know that, like, just from, like, at least seeing your letterbox review, like, you might have actually been kind of mixed on the movie, for maybe not for the reasons I was expecting. So I want to know, Josh, did this movie surprise you in any way? And uh, what were your big takeaways? Well,
1: yeah, like, so I am coming off, coming into it, where, like, I've seen, like, two cycles of reactions to it. I saw the initial Sundance, like, hype, which I think you were part of. Um, where the initial reviews were very positive and then obviously um it's apple's first major purchase after the success of Kodo, which won best picture last year and um yeah, i like how we all forgot about that just like mm-hmm. something overshadowed <laughs> but yeah so um and then and then by the time i got it it was sort of like the backlash uh, to the hype where i saw a lot of comparisons to garden state which is another mm-hmm. movie and about actually i think a jewish white person going back to their like hometown um after like college and stuff um and i and i see those comparisons right now i like my reaction my personal reaction to the movie was that i thought it was fine i liked it um okay like i wouldn't have like blown me away or anything like that because it is sort of in that like vein and also like apple has clearly established that they're gravitating to these like smaller stories that are more kind of white bread and uplifting in its nature and stuff like that and i think the other thing too is like from the time of this release and from when like garden state like which had like a very similar like you know zach braff had this very impressive directorial debut that by the time he made a second film there was such a huge internet backlash to it and like the coin as uh, a term like uh, manic pixie dream girl which we could get to like the dakota johnson character not to you know like we'll get there but like this type of indie film from like the time of garden state till now like it's almost a little bit retrograde in terms of where indie cinema has gravitated, where it's more diverse and stuff where like, I don't like, it, it's kind of, we're in this weird marketplace, like especially post uh, mumblecore where <laughs> like, you know, with the big blockbusters and things being very franchise driven, these smaller indie films are even less likely to get made. And, and if they do, they're going straight to, a streamer um that um i I think like an example would be like a counterpoint this would be everything everywhere all at once where yes it's an indie film but it's a lot more higher concept and a lot more diverse um than like this type of thing so when i'm coming to this movie it's sort of like on the one hand like i kind of appreciate this like lower stakes like story um being told in an environment where it's not very hospitable towards that but on the other hand i kind of understand like the resentment towards you know like this type of white bread movie being made like you know if this type of story is being told when we have seen it many times before for me it was sort of neither fish nor foul like i've seen this type of like indie um and i think it also reveals a lot about like this sort of this director had like his success while in college and this is a second feature and it sort of, it feels indicative of sort of his limited life experience outside of making movies where, you know, it's very clear that he only has like his like stories to tell that are very limited and very personal. But at the same time, you know, I think he is touching on something authentic to like that post-college malaise that like one feels
2: yeah he ended up dropping out of school i think to like make shithouse uh which i read <laughs> for the first time tonight even though i like consumed a lot of coverage about him and then he but then like so it's like he made. i thought he made a movie that captured like you know what it feels like to be a little aimless after college pretty well even though like he was already making movies when he did graduate college uh denise uh were you were you charmed by this movie did you get anything more out of it beyond that or did, were you less than charmed by it
0: Honestly, I'm, I was pretty mixed. Like I left okay. that experience. I'd, I'd actually say the same as Josh. I, I watched it yesterday and I left the experience a little bit like it was a movie. So I think you <laughs> know, garden, garden, garden state, I mean, there were some really charming elements The conceit of the party starters and, and having, you know, bar mitzvahs is like the sort of Tapestry with which people talk to each other and interact with. Let other me actually let me count. ask
2: you first. Let me ask you. Let me cut you off for a second. I apologize. Sure. Okay. Were, were, were you were you on the bar mitzvah bat mitzvah party circuit when uh, you know about uh, twelve years ago?
0: Yeah, you know? you know what? I don't think I was cool enough. So there is. It is interesting. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what either of you guys because
2: because you're a Jewish person from South Florida, whereas like i'm a yeah. jewish person that had a from the panhandle of florida that had a sunday school class of like six people so oh. <laughs> uh i so, saw i mean like you probably there
0: were sorry go ahead there were many no, i was just gonna were... say i
2: didn't get i didn't get to go to that many i feel like i mean unless you're right, saying these, you just weren't
1: fun this is Shiva baby <laughs> like these sounds like fun rituals i mean i yeah. know the Shiva baby one isn't like <laughs> <it's
0: impressive. laughs> yeah well uh, somebody has to die in order to get all that food so you're like <laughs> yes. oh well, well at what cost is this but well, like, I mean if you, if someone's becoming a man or a woman well they're like
1: great networking events you know
0: they are I th- I honestly think so there's something about mid-2000s era like I'll, I'll kind of sum it up here when we talk about what I, what I personally because I went to a ton of of bar mitzvahs like that were family friends or like even when I was invited but like it was, there was a status symbol involved. The best ones had themes. They were huge parties, inflatable instruments, like Shirley Temple open bars. There was Coke or Pepsi was being played. People were getting their first kisses. I mean, it was wild out here for these 12 and 13 year olds. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I think it was like, and then I thought it was so great that they had those spray-painted shirts. It just felt so mid-2000s, like, even though this this is more contemporary, but, like, mid-2000s bar mitzvahs, which are their oh. own sort of category, but they were also status symbols. So, like, if you didn't get invited to Mikey's, you know, bar <laughs> mitzvah, and you didn't show up in the, in the hoodie from that bar mitzvah the next week, everybody knew you weren't invited and you didn't get to oh, go. Oh, man, hard. So, like, it's like, there was this whole, I know, there was this whole process about it mine did not have a theme i had a very low-key brunch um i have a lot of family and they had all come from latin america so that was kind of that but i do love the concept of the bar mitzvah i think it's incredible in the best way okay
2: sorry i cut off your main point about the movie but like that was what i meant to open with you about because i thought you might have a little more insight into how the movie captured that but like overall even if you thought it, the movie like did a good job of depicting the circuit of the bar and so sounds like you had other reasons to be a little more mixed overall.
0: I did. I actually thought garden state with, um, isn't Natalie Portman, I think is in garden state. I yeah. thought the, uh-huh. yeah. So we, we, I thought that c- comparison, but honestly, the movie that kept coming to mind for me was 500 days of summer, not just because we have this like very pretty, girl that has kind of a weird name whether it's summer or domino you know you're like okay oh I kind of understand what archetype this is embodying I think it felt there's kind of this guy who's a little bit immature and he needs to fall in love and do a a couple of cringy things to really find himself and the, the girl isn't necessarily like she doesn't act completely appropriately but then she's also not really to blame like he's kind of dorky too so I think that This movie lives in a similar headspace to me, even though I would say the relationship that Summer had with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in 500 Days of Summer was a bit more equal. They were co-workers versus this young guy that is pretty naive. And in a way, I think it's not that he's being taken advantage of, but he's definitely kind of being taken for a ride while this woman in her 30s is like figuring life out. And of course, she hasn't had it easy. She's had a difficult dealt of cards. A deck of cards that were dealt to her, but I don't know. I I I was like, I've seen this before. Is it like new territory? No. Was the the dialogue was pretty good, like it felt pretty realistic, but I I think I just kind of knew where the movie was going, like halfway through. I knew that at the end he'd be like partying with his friends and living life as a person in their early 20s should, and she would be, you know, happily embodying this family with Joseph and Lola. So I I I think i was like you know it, it wasn't was it an entertaining watch yeah but i wouldn't say i was to, to quote josh brown here like blown away by it you know okay. it wasn't covering anything new
1: you know what's kind of funny i did actually like watch it like sort of in like 30s or like 30 minute increments or whatever so almost wow. like such a millennial of, uh,
2: can't, even huh? sit still and, can't even sit still and watch a movie yeah, such
1: sorry things like happen um, i'm sorry <laughs> kind of unfair to the movie and stuff but but the thing it felt a little bit fitting because like cooper Rafe, who wrote directed but also stars in the movie like he's clearly like a charismatic like good-looking dude for sure and he's and he's uh very kind of funny in the movie but um you know there's also a lot of constant mugging and i was just like this really does like feel like you know in a couple of years like you could see him the star of like his own like sitcom like this does have kind of like fx fx like pilot energy you know uh when you kind of think about it um but yeah like it does kind of like engage in a lot of like the tropes that like denise was saying like you know if we're talking about like uh, domino sort of like this like kind of quirky kooky girl that sort of that's a little damaged that you know, is used to help, like, the male protagonists mature a bit and have a new perspective on life. But then it also has, like, a very grading like, uh, trope. And, and it's one of those weird things where, like, I, immediately when a movie does this, especially a movie of this nature does it, um, I'm, like, red flag, like, uh-oh, alarm. And here, it's not the worst thing about the movie, but, and, I, and it, it's like very difficult to talk about it because I don't know if it's coming from a real life personal experience um, that Cooper has, but usually when you have like an autistic kid character or an autistic person, I feel like it's less like um, handled properly in terms of like trying to give greater representation to these uh, type of people that are often marginalized in like cinema. Uh- but more like to prop up like the moral goodness of our protagonist as like, see, he ain't such a bad guy.
2: Like, so I saw you put out. that in your letterbox review. I'm curious, are there, are there other movies that come to mind that like are offenders in that regard that made you kind of think about that? Um, do, 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 uh,
0: rain, Man. Rain Man to me, yeah, right. Sorry, like God. I think
2: I feel like the Tom Cruise character in Rain Man isn't like. I mean, I guess he's. It's kind of like almost like. He grows throughout the movie a little bit in how he treats his brother. You know what I mean? Like he, right. he's not really that likable at the beginning. Whereas, like here, it's just like we're kind of accepting that Andrew is like a nice dude at the beginning, even if he has some growing up to do. I so I, I thought about Rain Man when I saw when I saw Josh made that point in his Letterboxd review. But I was like wondering if there are other. That's why I was just kind of curious. Like I couldn't. Yeah, I, I'm and, sure, I'm sure, yeah, yeah.
1: And like, here is thing. To me, like Rain Man is a little bit different in the sense of like that's like the premise of the movie. Like that's the point or whatever um uh like there are other ones where there are where like it is like a uh you know um like like the characters are like secondary i can't think off the top of my head but if i like you know gotcha. give me like a couple minutes and like cool. a, a few will like rain uh yeah no, i i got
2: you yeah you know what that, that, that's fair enough uh before actually before i make any further points i want to show you guys something um, I brought. I, I broke out my, my kippa from my bar mitzvah. <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was, it was, it was gator themed, uh, so I, so I, I still weird. have this. Ver- I still have this version of it. I mean, it's like all faded off, but if you looked, if you looked on the inside, it used to say like you know bar mitzvah Joshua Tobias Chernobyl, like March seventeenth mm-hmm. two thousand four or something like that. You know, uh, so. I mean, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll keep it on just like in celebration. It it, it matches my cert. Yeah, I know. Don't tell me how old you were then, Denise. It's going to make me feel (laughs) old as shit. Um, uh, But, but like I, uh, but I, so when, when, when I saw with the, with with Josh's um, uh, kind of uh, uh, concern notwithstanding, like when I started seeing like the kind of criticisms about like, you know, you know, like, hey, is this movie a little too by the books The kind of like, you know, coming of age Sundance movie that like we always get or whatever. I was like, well, first of all, I wasn't really sure what else people were getting at besides like garden state. And I actually didn't even think about 500 days of summer, which is a good, uh, a good point of reference. The other thing I thought about was Adventureland, which oh, I think is, yeah. a, which I, which is a really good movie, actually, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and deals with a very similar point in life, even more so than like 500 days of summer. Like that guy is like literally just right out of college and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And he's working at the park. You know, and it's kind of funny too, because like, you know,
1: and also like, you know, the sort of like, Biblical text for a lot of these like Sundance movies, right? And it's not like a Sundance movie, it predates it. Um, but obviously, when you talk about this movie, you have to talk, you have to mention this one, which is Harold and Maude, which has wow. like an older woman, younger man relationship. Mm. And like, Never you seen know, it. um, well, and like that, it, it, like, here's the thing this movie is definitely indebted to like how Ashby. In terms of like that small scale, like but like humanistic, quirky comedy, which is a lot of like the you know, uh, it Sundance type films from like Jason Reitman or Alexander Payne and stuff like that. Like, and you mentioned Adventureland, which actually kind of hits those grittier, um, notes of those like 70s, like Hal Ashby movies, whereas like this film probably is aspiring to do so but not quite, like, it's ultimately a little bit too earnest So to,
2: like... When he was on the press tour for Shithouse, he wasn't exactly, like, uh, shy about the fact that he's, like, he- he's inspired by Linklater, who I think is probably, like, a little less gritty in that regard, like you were saying, maybe, with respect to, like, some of his movies. And
1: Well, I, it, well, I, I disagree. Well, like, here's the thing. I think Linklater is definitely, a, like, a byproduct of, like, 70s cinema, and I think, like, something like Days and Confused or Slacker were... Yes, they are made by someone, like, in their, like, late 20s and early 30s. I do think they're uh pretty gritty, like, especially, like, in Days and Confused in terms of, like, how the kids are treated sure. Um, and they're in their portrayal of, like, Arrested Development. But, yeah, and again, it's not the fault, like, this movie didn't say, like, this movie has, like, no charms or anything like that. It's just, it feels like, you know, I think, like, it, it it's... It's very interesting to me because it's definitely Cooper Rafe is probably a director that would have fit in with some of the mumblecore guys, the mid 2010s and late
2: aughts. Yeah, um, he, No, he, he literally got his break because he tweeted at J. Pause. I don't know if you've read that.
0: Story. <laughs> oh, I didn't oh. know that, but it makes sense now.
2: Yeah, that tracks. And that yeah, he, he made a short film and tweeted at J. Pause, And I said, I bet you won't click this link and jay duplass clicked the link looked at his short film and said hey kid let's get lunch i want to see how i can help you get your movie made he didn't really fund it but he like gave him advice and said, so that's like his mentor which is funny that's that you nice. happen to say that anyway yeah okay
1: okay and that also kind of explains a lot of the resentment because like i think like again like there there were like if you think about like the mumble court guys and even like the duplass brothers who now mostly exist in terms of like their acting performances and then like they're producing roles less like the films they actually direct. And if they do direct anything, it's usually for television. A lot of those like mumblecore guys like have not like survived until this new realm where it's been driven by more like uh, people of color. Um, and these guys, uh, I think a there was a real backlash to that type of style um, is also like part of early digital cinema. And also just, like, how the market became where it's just, like, it's weird, too, because, like, you know, their movies were probably the most applicable uh, to, like, a COVID, like, event since most of those movies take place in someone's house, which, you know, in this movie, a lot of it does take place in, in houses, indoors, and stuff like that. But, yeah, like, I think there is this giant pushback to these white, like... uh Especially if they're earnest like this movie is, type indie filmmakers, then there was like you know a decade ago where like a movie like this would have came out and people would have had been like, yeah, that was good, that was fine, or whatever, and then quickly moved on.
2: I hear that, and I was acutely aware of the of kind of like those criticisms as I went into my second viewing because again, I I left this having watched it in January when I had like only seen like one other 2022 release at that point maybe, and I was like, wow, I love this movie. I can't believe it. Did I already see the best movie of 2022? I was so high on it. And then I saw all these kind of stories and stuff. And I was like, all right, I need to come into this with an open mind. I know I loved it the first time. I'm going to watch it again for the podcast. Uh, I got to like really kind of like see what's there. And I I was more like kind of concerned like, oh, is is, is the domino character going to hit me differently? As we kind of already touched on, it's like, you know, people can't help but think about some of these other movies and the way they write their female leads and i was like all right well I, i'm gonna be watching this closely and is is there gonna be is this character not gonna have much to or when i kind of am more acutely aware of these criticisms going in and i actually really like the writing of this movie in the back half and i i guess i can hear what someone is saying where it's like all right it's the this this uh this older female protagonist is going to help the male lead find his way but like I actually kind of enjoyed the writing in those scenes in the final act. And I, I I think like, I mean, I think everything is so like charming and fun up until then. So a lot of hinges on how they land the plane in that regard. And I don't totally disagree with Denise that like, I probably should have been able to guess where it was going. Uh, But like, I still like, I, I, I was still kind of on the edge of my seat when I'm like seeing her just kind of like just straight up shut him down when he's like, I love you um and like you know for if nothing else like yeah we're 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 kind of like at that point conditioned to really like Andrew and root for him but I'm not totally sure what I'm supposed to be rooting for for him in that moment and I ended up being like kind of happy with the way those scenes played out where she like kind of like just like not you need to like go live your damn life so it sounds like you Denise like you might it sounds like you probably did like the performances but you were just like you weren't exactly surprised by the story is that a fair characterization of how you kind of felt about the way the movie played out
0: yeah. I actually think that's a great segue because I was curious what we all felt collectively about. Okay. Of course this is yeah. Cooper race movie, but this is Andrew's narrative and how he's approaching post-grad life and Tulane like it was a great university. So you wonder that sort of aimless, who am I? My, my mom has remarried changes happened. And I, I've kind of found myself unsure of where to go. And I'm, with all the people that I grew up with. And, you know, I kind of want to make something of myself. I thought it was interesting that we're, I think we're set up to feel a certain way about how he's going to approach life success and perhaps relationships when we see that flashback. And I was curious how he felt about when he was 13 and, uh, you know, approaching a much older woman and confessing his love and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm old. So I, I obviously, how could you went, not get you know, a kick out of that scene? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, to me, that was the a really, I, I really liked it. And it was like the one of, for an earnest film, probably one of the most earnest scenes. And I think that made me really warm up to this, this like, like Andrew's character from the beginning. Cause I knew that he was kind of a little bit of an underdog um, hopeless romantic. Um, hopeless romantic. Um, He has a good relationship with his kid brother and he's just good with, with young kids. Like I, I, what I was really struck by is not everyone can really connect with younger people. And so in a way, you know, obviously he's a younger person who will connect to an older person, but we see a lot of that, of those connections start happening when, you know, the connection that Andrew has with Lola, but that, that also happens with his kid brother as he teaches him the lessons to get this girl to, you know, kiss him and, and, you know, whatever it is. And then how him- much,
2: how much did you laugh at the scene where he approached the kids at the first bar mitzvah party uh, where he was like, Hey guys, like I, I see a lot of girls out there. They're getting danced with like, like uh David, don't you have a girlfriend that you need to go talk to? And he's like, I don't really <laughs> talk with her, but I, I just thought was like hilarious response from a 13 year old with a girlfriend. I, I cracked up. I've watched that scene like five times now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so, it really was so funny. And honestly, what I like too is that he de- He never denigrates like the age group. Like, I think we're all so conditioned to, to see being 13 as like a cringe fast and like, how could I do these things? But there were so many life lessons that we got at that age and that that I learned about myself and um, about what life was kind of really about. And perhaps some some of them at doing the Cotton Eye Joe at whatever bar mitzvah that any number of us were at. But it, it's kind of like, like, I like that that. He, that this like party starting is like a very earnest part of the movie like I actually really like that he enjoys his job and like versus working at meat sticks um and that you know he he meets people from town like Odea Rush's character and and he gets to interact with his mom Greg um just various types of people that he already perhaps like had known and maybe he was kind of insecure about like not having a job lined up after school or whatever it is and then not going to Barcelona to chase his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend um and I and I think that like again like the narrative I don't know I hopefully I'm not kind of giving circular logic here but it's like I really feel for him. And I know kind of what it's like, you're like, well, I don't quite know what it is. My next step is like, I think we've all been there in some, at at least in some regard. And I think that, you know, he may, it makes it easy to to root for him because he genuinely likes Lola. Like I think what I liked most about Andrew's character is that when he does fall for domino, like it's a, you know, it's, it's just a very earnest thing. He never, never hangs out with Lola because he wants feel like he's actually falling for
2: he's always he's actually falling for the family just as much as he's falling exactly
0: because he says that he goes oh, I just love you guys as a family and he, he, he's still very nice to Joseph too even though he's a little bit like petty and like very childish and in, in some ways he's still nice to him at the end he's like I'm just a stupid kid you know
1: see like but those were like some of the things guys like mentioned or some of the things like I could understand why someone would find it cloying and it like in in while watching it it's not but like um. Like for instance, like when he gets in a little spat with his brother towards the end, like that kind of irritated me because like at the at, you know, throughout the entire movie, like Cooper Rafe's performance is this like likable guy and um and he's like, you know, very funny and stuff, but also like his performance itself, like there are times where he's constantly mugging, like um, like you're kind of reminding me of this like quote that like uh was said like from Spielberg to George Clooney on set of ER where like he's like you know George if you stop shaking your head I can see you becoming like a real movie star <laughs> and like in this movie I'm like you know if you stop like like smiling laughing at his own shit like I'm like yeah I could see Cooper Rafe being a, a great leading man um well so ha- would, just-
2: would this movie have played better for you if like he still wrote and directed it but someone else played the lead no, no, no. I think he, I think he's fine.
1: Like, I, like, I think he's, I think he's. It's just one of those things where, like,
0: he's very to goofy. Saying, like, to if... be sorry to interrupt you, John. He's very goofy. I think I understand where you're kind of like, like, it's, it's, it's all played for laughs and smiles. And of course, he's like a conventionally attractive guy, and so the, that helps him. I assume, like, it, it, yeah, it gives like, him a little bit more credibility than perhaps the, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think like some in some corners, like where his performance uh, kind of rubs like people the wrong way, where it's like, again, like he is like conventionally like attractive dude he is like funny he is like like a lot of things are very likable but like also almost like he's aware of it so he's a little bit self-satisfied which you know it both works for him in the confidence that uh his character kind of has but like um where i was getting at was like um his interaction with the brother towards the end where it is that glowing thing where like up until this point you know yeah he is presented as this fuck up but kind of by circumstances you know like white privilege will like help him out in the day like this is just a part of his like 20s and stuff so there's nothing really about him uh, up until this moment where he gets in this little petty thing with his brother which you know it's just like a plot point for him to like eventually you know get to the point where he like rehabilitates
2: himself. And um, yeah, I get uh, it. You know, you know, he's not going to end the movie on bad terms with his adorable brother. Yeah. And it's I will just say like the, a-
0: the montage yeah. of him at this like ALS that he, you know, the, the the montage with that point, I didn't buy it. Like when he was like talking to the kids at this, like, what is it? Friend Hope is a friend or something is the name <laughs> of the organization. He starts work. Like, of course, this guy is going to work at a nonprofit. You think he's <laughs> going to sell oil? And make us hate him. Like everything was obviously very conveniently stacked up. But, like, look at this guy from Jersey. He's just so nice and just life. Life keeps getting him down. I didn't quite. Yeah.
2: I didn't quite understand what that nonprofit was. I still don't. It's like yeah, I
0: still ha- don't quite like, understand. B- it. Like a
2: place for kids to go whose family members have ALS or something. I did yeah, not. Yeah, it's knew. so funny.
0: I my great uncle had ALS. So and, and in Venezuela. So like I mean, it's like a. I, it's a, oh no, it's a
2: horrible disease. I just didn't horrible. understand what their nonprofit did to
0: help. Them. Exactly. <laughs> I was like ice bucket challenge. Like what's going on? Are we revisiting? <laughs> are we revisiting re- that? Like. <laughs> Yeah, the um, the the dance-off challenge. So now every bar mitzvah will now be an ALS. You yeah, know, just kidding. I think that like, I guess it seems like we, we all, we're all thinking in a very similar fashion. I mean, I'm curious on two levels. One, was it really, one thing we've talked a lot about is the coming of age genre. Do we think it was a little, of course, I think there's so many unique, like idiosyncratic things about bar mitzvahs that i think is is right like territory that's pretty ripe to play in and i like that this film did it but do we think it was too on the nose that it, like you know a coming of age ceremony is exactly what a bar mitzvah is even if it's cloaked in you know uh like a, a baseball theme or whatever it is and then we, meanwhile, we see this kid kind of try to figure out what life looks like after, you know, oh, your 20s are to explore and discover yourself and I guess really become the man versus... Whoa. Yeah. so i'm well, curious well, if you guys well, thought it was a little too on the nose.
2: But. Okay. One more personal embarrassing thing to admit about my bar mitzvah was that I was on a real barbecue kick at that time and I somehow <laughs> for some reason my parents did not shut me down when I demanded that we have pulled pork at my bar mitzvah. So I was oh. I was a Jewish person served pork <gasps> at my bar and that's mitzvah that's against
0: the law. Oh my god rabbi I, I, rabbi would have been yeah, that's yeah. how spoiled of yeah. a kid I
2: was. I had an Orthodox Jewish family that came to that bar mitzvah. They had to think we were just like the fucking biggest savages ever. I do not know why my parents yeah. agreed to it. I'm so embarrassed about it. Eight, still, like 18 years later, that they didn't just say no, have some steak or burgers instead. They let me have pulled fucking pork at a Jewish ceremony. Uh, it's just it's it's embarrassing. Gator themed with pork. Uh, so that 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 was my bar mitzvah. But to to more directly answer your question, Denise. I was like fine with it. I was like, you know what? This is not territory that too many movies have actually gone to. Uh, there was a movie that I believe probably came out around 2005 called uh, Keeping Up with the Steins starring uh, Jeremy Piven about some Los Angeles families that like w- tried to one up each other for their kids bar mitzvahs. I so uh, have not seen that movie. In, I've not seen that movie in so long. I, can, I don't think it was, I don't probably don't think it was that good or more people would still talk about it. So it's just like, it's terrain that I'm happy to have someone uh, traverse uh cooper rife is not jewish but he is from a community in dallas and it was station he, he was raised in a part of dallas that was like at least fairly jewish such that he went to a high like he went to middle school and high school with like at schools that are like 40 percent jewish so he ended up like going to a ton of these growing up so he's doing this from a gentile's perspective andrew the character is not jewish i'm pretty sure and uh it's just like he's getting invited to all the stuff i think i think there is one scene where they're like kind of even maybe talking about that at some point about how like uh you know they're, they're not but like they're still going to all this stuff and it's not probably it's, it's probably it's probably pr- pretty standard i'm guessing like i mean i'm sure there were gentiles on your bar mitzvah party circuit denise uh you know so uh, i it, it's you kind know of how a-
0: it is interfaith party <laughs>
2: Yeah, so like I think I I was just like happy to like have someone that kind of seriously did get what these kind of things are, even if they weren't Jewish, it's still like, uh, it's still interesting different perspective to have at the movies, and he clearly gets a lot of it like we mentioned like the him teasing the table full of kids, there's like a split second shot at that first party of just the the, the boy standing up against the wall and I lost it, it's like less than a second, and I, I absolutely lost it at that moment they are all the moms gossiping. I've never... I'm still upset. Like, I mean, so I have a cousin right now that is... uh, I only have three first cousins, actually. Two of them are are not being raised Jewish. One of them is, and she's still only 10 years old. So I am probably three years away from getting to go to a bar mitzvah as a 21-year-old for the first time. So I actually don't, I, I actually like, I went to some when I was like younger. I had a lot of family friends bar mitzvahs and other people in my community. But like, I've never been like the adult that got to just drink at a bar mitzvah. So yeah, I feel like they were kinda... fun
0: sober. I can't imagine what they're like. Exactly.
2: Alcohol. So you get to see a, a, a little bit of that. Though actually one interesting thing I want to mention though, uh, I've heard some talk about this movie. I'm curious what you think about it. Like some people like, are kind of mixed on how it just handles the fact that, like, Andrew may or may not have a drinking problem. And, uh, because I mean, he's drinking a lot throughout the movie. And that's kind of something where it's like, you know, like on the job at these ceremonies where, like, on multiple Wait. occasions,
1: we're, we're, okay where have we gotten as a society all right like clearly the kid is like post-college right Yeah, but he's on
2: the job he's working getting paid by yeah, these families he's but, still drinking but, but
1: but clearly like he's transitioning from like his partying days he's a little bit heartbroken and stuff so he's like a little bit depressed and like not sure where he's at in life and so yeah he has a little bit of it but like sort of like what you know um what i would imagine is sort of, like, not too uncommon with someone around his age, like, transitioning from that out of college into adulthood where you have to get your shit together, but you're still used to, you know, coping mechanisms like drinking and drugs that, like, you know, clearly, like, I would not have gotten the impression that, like, he's going to live the rest of his life as an alcoholic, you know what I mean? Mm. Um but like, and, and does it need any more than how it was handled in the movie? Like, um, I don't, uh, I,
2: I, I, don't think so. But I feel like some people did think that, and it was just another thing I kind of wanted should to be like highlight.
1: more mad about how like they treated Greg, like Brad Garrett, in entire movies. I so, yeah, sure. I don't think
0: the ragging on Greg was so rude. <laughs> I was like, you're kind of like maybe Greg. There's a bunch of stuff we don't. I I understand that Greg is a little naggy, but. I honestly thought they, they were kind of unfair to him until he slugged the punk kids and their parents who deserved it. I was like, I feel like Greg deserved well, a little better. Justice for Greg. You.
2: I agree. Well, I, I want to make,
0: yeah. I sorry, make it
2: clear to you. Sorry, I just want to make it clear, Josh. I agree with you on the drinking thing. I think it made me think about another movie, The Spectacular Now, great movie. Oh, uh, yeah, that's where, where like the Miles Tower character clearly has like somewhat of a uh, alcohol dependency and he's in okay. high school. So he's like a good four years younger than at least four years younger than the Cooper Rive character here. But like, I, I, I think like at one point, the, I think, Uh, is it is it i think is it jk simmons that runs the store he works at in that movie i can't remember off the top of my head i think no it might be bob odenkirk actually uh i think bob odenkirk uh runs the store that he is working at in that movie and he like makes a comment to him at one point it's like all right the movie acknowledged it it's kind of clear if you're paying attention and that's all that's all i really needed to know and uh And basically I, I I kind of felt the same here. It's like the audience can like figure that out for themselves. It was just a criticism I saw. And I wanted to like kind of touch on it while we were talking about like those party scenes. Like, I think he got a lot of it, right? I just can't personally relate to the drinking problem with respect to stepdad, Greg. I laughed at it. I I, I'm sorry. I know he was probably being a little unfair for no reason, just because he thought the guy was weird. Clearly was a good partner for the mom made her happy and all that. I still laughed every time he shit on him. I'm sorry. I feel I, I apologize. No, it was funny. Uh, Ra- but I Ra- was Rad like, Garrett is great. but yeah, he, he he was having to take the take the brunt you of know, it. And like-
1: okay, okay. I, like, here's the thing. Like, again, like, there are some laughs in this movie, but you guys are like making it sound funnier than it is. Like, like, my, 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 like, like, here's the thing. The reason why I can't get on board, like, I've seen this type of like setup before of like, sort of like, you know, the, um, nagging like step parent or whatever does guy with like the butt of jokes or whatever and trying to help it's just with like the only thing, reason why it doesn't like fully work for me or whatever where it could have been funnier it's like as we all said like greg is so undeserving there's not like a moment where and like he, will, jokes- he won't
2: he won't let he won't let a 23 year old say a curse word i mean come on man
1: yeah yeah uh, but like at the like At his dinner table, like, yeah, anyway, I think it can probably
0: be tough to be fair. And I'm curious how we feel about the family dynamics. Obviously, there's one family dynamic in you know, Joseph, Lola, and Domino, and then you know, uh, Cooper Rafe and his brother, like Andrew. Oh, by the way, yeah, and his his parents. We can kind of juxtapose the two of them, but
1: domino and her husband like they, they like I, I feel bad for that husband that's another situation where like that marriage ain't gonna work like spoiler
0: yeah <laughs> i think it's actually great that i i also was like this i just don't see this ever working because at least one person is deeply dissatisfied with how things are like
2: So did you you not buy her speech about how, like, well, what scares me the most is what I like is probably what's best for me. Therefore, I need to no I knew this was going to come up
0: later on, too. I was like, this is going to come up later. And he's going to say, well, you're scared of what's, you know, what we're going to, you know, and he even he says, I thought you were talking about me, Um, Andrew. I think I think that what I, I felt really rang true is that you know, she talks about how so much of her own life, because she's only in her mid thirties, really or early to mid thirties right. is so much of her life has been tangled. She was a young mother. Um, she w- she was previously married. He left her um, and she needs stability. And so I think in a way there's a little bit of arrested development in her as well, because she had to grow up very fast. So these, this sort of impulsive nature of, of her, of her personality comes out when she's with, someone of around that age group as well like like you know uh, Andrew's character and and she even mentions that she's like we're not in a relationship and that's why this feels so new and exciting and and I feel so alive with you because you don't there's no sort of uh, there's no uh, responsibility associated with that attachment that they have and and part of it is probably seeing how well he gets along with her daughter but she understands what her daughter needs most is, you know, is is stability. And like, Joseph is really nice to Lola. There's nothing to really hate about him. Whereas like other, other movies that I love, you know, even romantic comedies make the person at least like the, the person that our leads will break up with.
2: Yeah. 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 At least somewhat
0: unlikable, unlikable enough that you don't feel bad when they get broken up with, you you know, but I, Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't no, mean to no no no, oh, no, no, no. Oh. So I'll
0: just finish the point up. But, like, that's it. Like, what I'm saying is that it, it I, I think I bought that she really wanted that freedom, and she's kind of reminding him that he has it and that he should take this time to find out what his attachments will end up looking like and his entanglements.
2: Well, so in light of the fact that you at least appreciated the insights that the domino character had to offer at that point, did you come away from the movie? Like, how did you feel about her performance? And did you feel like that character amounted to more than the, uh, what is now a stereotype of the manic pixie dream girl? Did you think there was a little more to her than that?
0: Yeah, I think that first of all, I think Dakota Johnson did a a really nice job. Um, also, can we talk about how uncomfortable the, I will say this, like, uh, miscarriage episode that happened was like, I just, I don't know how I felt about it overall, but we don't we can talk about it. I mean, I don't think it's
2: supposed to be a comfortable um, Right.
0: It's just but it felt still like extraneous is what I mean. Like I I wasn't sure it was like necessary for, for the development of, you know,
2: I mean, I, I guess they had to figure out some way such that like they could expedite the process of him, like growing close to them. I mean, I'm not saying it was, I, I don't know if there was, I'm sure there might've been another way to do it, but it's like, you have a, you have like less than two hours. If they want to keep the movie under two hours, to like conceivably like get this guy in close with this family. So I guess they, they let's have some kind of a big event to like help, bond them soon like that that's the thinking not saying there's not another way to do that but like i kind of got why like they wanted to like go that route i suppose
0: sure i'm yeah.
1: sure the supreme court looked at that scene was just like that that's fine by us
2: no i'm sure they looked <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they looked at it and i uh, thought maybe that's too a crime soon. that should be investigated
0: <laughs> too, too soon they're gonna be following domino's uh yeah church history
1: i know yeah. By the way, by the way, on the, like, uh, like, Denise mentioned something about how, like, which it doesn't follow a typical rom-com trope, which I I do appreciate, and I'm with Denise a little bit, where um, usually, like, the rom-com trope is sort of, like, the person that is part of this love triangle is just so unlikable that you just don't even understand, like, why is it even a contest or whatever? But I this might sound backhanded and apologies to this actor, but I actually think it works where like I like the, the fact that they kind of found like this actor to play him that was almost like uncharismatic and very stiff or whatever. <laughs> that didn't feel yeah, like, he was pretty like, stiff yeah it didn't feel like a, a perform. like it just felt like you know it felt like maybe like a guy that they actually found in the street or whatever um and i think it just kind of worked for that character in the fact that he is supposed to be stiffer and less charismatic than cooper Rafe. hmm
2: yeah i mean uh i i i see what you're saying there um I I mean that might I don't know if that was more on the actor. It might have just been a, a performance choice. I want to give the guy a little bit of credit there. You know? Yeah, no,
1: no, no. Like it's one of those weird things where like 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 it works. It works. Like it works for the like, and he feels more real by uh like uh by not being so standouty. Um, um, like he feels like a real like stiff dude. You know what I mean? But yeah, like their marriage does not work out. Like here's the thing, my take. I kind of don't buy like that guy wouldn't come to that conclusion that like uh Dona Domino's about to fuck up his life so like mm-hmm. you know like by the time they get married um like uh I feel like Cooper Rafe would have like like would have been his wake up call that this is you know let's cancel this marriage.
2: Yeah, uh, I got you. Um, let me, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh I saw your message, It's funny. Uh, I'll, 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 um, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh. It, what else, what else didn't we touch on already? Um... Pearl
1: is Leslie Mann. She's she's reliable.
0: Oh, yeah. Can we talk about, okay, the Google searches took me out. I thought they were so funny. Domino, and then it was just the pizza. It felt like a, a parody. <laughs> no, like that one, I, and then Jobs, Please, was the, the two most hilarious <laughs> things I did not expect this movie to do.
1: I actually did like the domino google search. Yeah. I, I I I I I found that. I joking. thought
0: that was so funny. Well,
2: on on the jobs please thing, let me ask you Josh because I mean you I put I put you in the position of being a little more critical throughout this because I'm the one that's like I think really loves this movie out of us but like uh you know one thing I think you would probably like it seems like you agree based on what I saw you write about it before is that. You do think it probably got something right about what it feels like to be at that point right after college? Because I'm someone that like had I I had like a six week period or a two month period after I graduated where I didn't know what I was going to do, and like I know you didn't go right into the job you have now. Not, uh, not that, not that you're necessarily like don't have other things you might want to do in life at some point, but you found a more stable job right now. And I know you weren't like quite in that for at least some time after you graduated. So as someone that like had some kind of period of uncertainty, maybe after you graduated college, how do you think like Cooper Rife did in like at least uh, depicting what that might be for someone of that age?
1: See, all right, here's the thing. Like, yeah, I think the movie is authentic when it touches upon that post college. Like, you know, I I lived at home immediately after college and you know and then like seeing the people like you went to college with kind of move on with their lives as he he sees and you're struggling to maintain like these like in-between minimum wage jobs after you just spent four years um at like a university trying to obtain something um that requires a degree like it touches upon all and also one thing i kind of respect and like and like about this movie too um is that we don't really get that many movies to touch upon like uh you know the suburban experience in this type of way where like you know you have like like a romance playing out in just the mundane suburbs in the mundane suburban drama of like going back to your hometown um and then like you know, hooking up with someone that you went to high school with and stuff like, you know, like um, and that part I respect. But like the thing about it is it's such a relatable life experience thing. It's like I think that's why the movie initially clicked um, with a lot of people coming out of Sundance and why like these type of movie like Cooper Rafe is probably like um, like his life experiences in uh, his story is probably so identifiable to like your typical, like, you know, person watching movies, right? Um, um, And and so that's why I think like, especially for like the critics that initially came out of it, especially like white, like uh, uh, film guy critics. And again, like I'm someone, you know, despite race, like relate a lot to like Cooper Rafe and his experiences and his tastes, like S.C. Hayne, like contributed to the score and stuff like that um you know like i think that's why there's both like identification um with this movie and also a lot of resentment because it is the same type of story we've seen before um and the same type of coming of age life experience thing from this perspective that we've seen before
2: gotcha no i i i i I hear what you're saying about that i again i though i like you know i unabashedly like really really like this movie and uh, liked how it accomplished the things in that um, like within with with within that corner of the movie Denise, is there any anything else we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about with this movie besides the uh, the google searches which i also agree uh, were <sighs> I, I got a real kick out of
0: i think just I, i'm curious you know i think josh talked a little bit about uh, josh brown So we have two joshs on here but josh brown mm-hmm. talked a little bit about uh how you know how do we take Lola's character I don't really know much about the yeah actress, we did not talking actress. about
2: her yet yeah yeah so I think we should um,
0: totally touch on her sorry, a little bit about bad, bad job I yeah. I was almost no, no worries. Up. like her, her, uh, her,
2: by the way her name is uh Vanessa Burkhart um first-time actor actually does have actually is on the autism spectrum so credit to them for not just you know uh casting like a you know uh a, uh a, a, Uh, a a non-neuro, non-atypical, or someone that is uh, not neurodivergent and trying to make make them do that, you know, so.
0: Yeah, so I was curious. That's why I I was like, I don't know much about the actress if she's on the autism spectrum, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious how we feel about her performance, her relationship to her mother, because I think um, I actually was really touched by their relationship. I think regardless of how, um, you know, Andrew fit into that equation, there was something really tight-knit about the two of them and and how they you know made their way yeah Yeah, no i like
2: i i guess i might be coming at this i don't want to say necessarily from a a pure place of ignorance because i guess i I do know people on the spectrum but maybe having seen like a dearth of popular culture that does touch on those kind of things uh besides rain man which we already talked about a little bit and uh, i mean Josh might be able to speak a little bit more to like whatever kind of reception there was uh, to Rain Man uh, winning the Oscar for best picture and like whether or not that was something that like should have happened and how people felt about Dustin Hoffman giving that performance at the time um, and if, it, if that was the be- if that was like the most I don't want to say authentic because Dustin Hoffman's not autistic but like if that was like the best the, the most uh, uh, if that was a good depiction of someone with autism where like you know it makes like one of his central characteristics that he can count cards and he's like good at doing something like that like you know here it's that she's really good at here here they do make a big deal the fact that she like can do rubik's cubes um and very intense ones at that but like i do think it's like so i, I don't want to say give him too much credit for being novel about it because i know there's like other stuff here I, as we've been sitting here i saw in raul castillo the guy that plays joseph he was on a typical he was on a typical the netflix show about the family that has like an autistic kid so and I've not watched that show. So like I know there's other stuff out there about it, but like I just thought it was like a I I I, I like the performance that he got out of her, and like I can't disagree with Josh that like sure like it makes him more likable that he is just so charming in the scenes with her, and is and and uh, in, in theory like could this movie be what it is even if she wasn't. Uh, on the spectrum maybe you know like i mean like it could just be this some other random girl that like you know hasn't had the best lot in life and he could just be really nice to her and is this movie any less lesser because of that i don't know how much it i mean it says something about domino that she has such a nice relationship with her and like you know uh in spite of and uh, how hard that might have been but i i disrespect them like showing that like hey here's here's an example of how like you can, you you can, you know, see that someone like that is just like a, a person that like deserves your attention and interest as much as anyone else. And if you, you can find value in the things that they have to offer. And like, I, 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 so yeah, yeah, sure. He wrote himself a character that was really nice to someone that deserves to like have people be nice to them. And I liked him because of it, but like, I, I, I really liked her performance and I thought it was like an interesting character. And I like seeing how she like, you know, interacted with the world around her and i mean i and again like josh like I, I totally get what you're saying how it's like it's almost like a little bit of a shorthand to make you like that guy but like it worked on me you know
1: yeah like it like in saying it well, like those are the moments where like again i could tell like they're uh, treating this with a lot with a little bit more sensitive a uh, uh, little bit more sensitivity than in previous attempts, but still doing the same thing, where those moments really feel like the movie it's at ma- its most manipulative and at its most cloying. Sure.
2: You, you you knew he was going to end up scratching her back at some point. You just knew it, right? Which, yeah,
1: which uh, at the same time, like, this is the other thing, too, where I'm, like, thinking, would the movie have been any different if it was just, like, because, again, like, um, the part of the reason why, like, uh, you need the kid to be a little bit it, no, no, this, gonna, know, that, <laughs> this sounds bad, but the reason why you need the kid to be autistic is just because the kid is old enough where they probably don't need like a babysitter. So, like, if they sort of like explain the like plot device of having him there, where I had to do the dot experiment, if it was just like a little kid, um, and they didn't have um uh, and they weren't autistic like would would you could you still have the same movie and i think you can so it just feels a little bit like stacking the cards to make you like this character more than any actual sympathy for like the kids play you know what i mean
2: i gotcha i gotcha yeah any other final thoughts though josh
1: No, and again, like I probably came across this movie sounding a lot harsher than I actually am. Where it's like I just think it's fine, it's okay, you know. And I think like you know, there's it's one of those things where like on the one hand, it's funny, like where it is the type of typical Sundance thing that does well, but at the same time, like I think there's a lot of pushback and backlash to this movie um, when if it didn't have like a lot of the hype Uh, if it wasn't made by a guy who's so young and it's the second feature. And if it wasn't picked up by Apple coming off of the success of Coda winning best picture. Yeah. Wouldn't like people wouldn't be so upset about it either. You know what I mean?
2: I got you. One thing I wanted to add, you made the comment earlier. I meant to make, I meant to follow up on it about how like you see him just like possibly leading an FX series in a couple of years or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: I, I'd actually read soon after I watched the movie for the first time back in January, like I'd read that like Dakota Johnson, like he met with her production company because Dakota Johnson's a producer on this movie. It's her production company called tea time productions or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so she produced it and like, he had to like, I guess he kind of pitched her on the idea that kind of came together on it where she brought him in for a meeting and was like, uh, you know, they kind of, they kind of came up with it together, but he kind of pitched her at the same time or whatever, but like he didn't pitch it as him acting in it. Apparently like she saw shithouse and like wanted him to act in it so take that for what it's worth but then i read another article about him before we did this where like his next two projects are things he's not acting in actually he's going to direct a movie called the trashers with starring david harbour in a which which described as a fact-based story of crime nepotism and minor league hockey so whatever whatever that could possibly be already
0: already bought it
2: and then and and then he has an amazon series coming out called exciting times that he's co-writing and then directing most of the episodes in and I don't really know what's in it, but I know it's being led by um, uh, Phoebe uh, Dynavor, who, you know, played the lead in the first uh, season of Bridgerton. So that's that's up for Amazon. So he he says in that same article that I read that's on The Ringer that came out um, a few weeks ago when uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth first got released, like he said he might not ever act again. So, I mean, people say shit like that all the time, but it's a little interesting that he like put himself in starring roles in his first two movies or like allowed Dakota Johnson to convince him to be the starring role in the second of those two. But either way, he was, you know uh he, he wrote directed and starred in these couple things and it seems like he has more of an interest in writing and directing so he might have different priorities than like you expected josh but like i can't blame anyone for being like yeah this guy could just like play your typical average good looking white guy in a series about a guy trying to figure shit out like totally like that's basically what he was in his first two movies but just want to kind of be like people have different stuff to kind of look out for from him where he's not going to be in front of the camera uh, but yeah, it sounds like uh, I, I'm probably a, a bit higher on this than Denise and Josh, but they both found uh, plenty of things to like, too. So, you know, easy enough to watch if you know anyone that has Apple TV Plus um, or you have a way of, you know, getting them access to Apple TV Plus. Uh, then I, I I would definitely uh, recommend uh, checking out Cha Cha Real Smooth because, you know, regard, as I think Josh even indicated, you know, even if it's a. Um, not your favorite type of movie it's still cool to like support stuff like this like josh mentioned the new don't even really get movies made these days and now this guy that like is inspired by them is getting paid 15 million dollars for his movies. so uh hopefully uh more people get to like you know uh make movies of this ilk at a time when people bemoan people not getting to make movies like this uh denise anything else you've been watching recently or reading recently or consuming recently you want to direct people to um, before we sign off
0: i do so i i'm since I've been so busy with work and now I finally have a little bit of downtime, I've been watching what everyone else is watching, but I'll still recommend it. I started watching We Crashed because I have Apple TV now. Have, have, have we, I don't know if anyone else has ever mentioned it on the podcast. Not, I have not. I, It's one of the scammer things I haven't
2: gotten to yet. I've I yeah. only watched so a, The Dropout this year.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge sucker for a scam story. The Dropout's next, but okay. We Crashed is essentially about um, WeWork's founder and CEO Adam Neumann um, and his rise and, and inevitable fall. His wife is played by Anne Hathaway. Um, they're just the type of like crunchy. Well, he's Israeli and she is. Um, she's just like a yogi, I think. And they're they're just like the type of people who kind of believe their own bullshit in a way that you're like, oh, something's coming. You know, there's a sort of come up and that starts emanating from the episodes. Um, and so I've been enjoying it. It's a limited series. Um, Adam Newman is played by Jared Leto. I don't know how we all feel about him, but just keep in mind the method acting is full force in this mm-hmm. too, but it's pretty good. Okay,
2: so that, that's good to know. Like, I mean, I feel like I would enjoy Anne Hathaway in this because I quite enjoyed her in like Oceans 8. And it feels like her like kind of similarly going for it in a fun way from what I understand. Yes.
0: She's great. She really, I mean, she, she livens up the, the show for sure. So that's my recommendation interesting watching.
2: okay yeah dropout is really good but like i haven't gotten all the scammer stuff i guess it's it's super pumped it's that and uh we crashed for, like the three big ones this year and i've only watched the dropout so far which was like even though i probably knew the most of the about the elizabeth holmes series because i watched the hbo thing on her uh i still like found it like really interesting so something that i know less about i don't know much about we work i might really actually even enjoy that more if it's as well done as uh you say it is so thank you for that recommendation josh anything else you want to point us to so like you know, I, I'm I'm really bad with
1: TV, so like I I it can have be movies. I mean,
2: you're on summer break. I'm sure you're watching something new or old.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, last good things I've I, I've watched um, have just been like older movies and stuff. Uh, you know, like the my two favorite uh, subscription services are Criterion Channel. I know how pretentious that sounds, but good shit. And HBO Max. So um, right now, I'm kind of going through like foreign erotic thrillers. And so I saw uh, La Piscine, which I didn't realize that I saw the remake, too, uh, that came out not too long ago. And you've probably seen it as well. Like, I didn't realize this was a remake of La Piscine. And, like, I didn't, like, it was because they feel very different, um, even though it's the same story. But do you remember A Bigger Splash, the Luca Guadagnino movie with Tilda Swinton Ray Fines? Like, and Ray
2: uh, Fiennes? And, and Dakota Johnson. Yeah, Dakota. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, and it's funny. Like, um, like, uh, when watching like the uh original one, um, I was like, huh, yeah. If you did a remake of this, like, you probably would cast like Dakota Johnson or someone in this like, um, role. Um, and and they did, but um, uh, uh, but yeah, like, it, so it was weird. I had saw the remake first, completely forgotten about it. Saw the original, which I. Very much preferred. And my hot take is like I think Luca Guadagino is not great at remakes. Though so at the same time, I will say this. Had like it's one of those weird things. Had I saw his film after seeing the original, I probably would have disliked it. Whereas, like, I think a bigger splash is the best thing I've seen from Guadagino, and I thought it was okay. And it does have a different feel. I'll say that. He does go in a different direction when he does mm-hmm. his remakes. But it's a great summer movie. It's about like you know this couple staying at this like a uh, cottage or whatever in some european town and you know they're this hot couple and then like the wife her friend the male friend comes in with uh, his like um you know attractive like uh younger daughter or whatever and so you there's all this like uh, complicated relationship dynamics and jealousy and stuff that happens. But yeah, it's a very good uh, French uh, film. Like its English title is The Swimming Pool. And, you know, you just got like hot people just glistening in the hot
2: sun in um, the summer. Sounds
0: like summertime movie yeah. must. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for the recommendation, Josh. I I guess I'll stay being an Apple TV Plus shill, uh, because I get on the Elvis pod I recorded yesterday, I plugged season three of for all mankind. Y'all should give I a need shot to watch that. It. That's oh, high same, on my list. Same. Yeah, now that now that you have access to uh an Apple TV plus account, I will not say who you got it from. I will say you should uh check that out. Uh but I, I, I also started watching Pachinko. Um, which uh, Fred recommended, Fred Meckett recommended on the podcast a few months ago. It's all the whole first season is there. I'm just a few months late to it. I'm now halfway through the first season. I mean, it's a very sprawling story about, you know, that goes from, you know, early 1900s when uh, Korea was being occupied by Japan to like, you know, following some same members of the family there, like, you know uh, like in 1989. And I, I probably don't even know the full scope of the story yet. Um, but like it's I mean it's just very compelling about this family and how they've been affected by the the Japan's relationship with Korea and uh, and how people that like you know were actually Korean but ended up being raised in Japan ended up kind of like feeling a little disassociated from like what is technically their home in Korea and how different generations process that differently and I don't know if that's making it seem like the most compelling thing but like I finished episode four and it was I mean it was like it was just like very, very uh, engaging and uh, moving in its own way, and I, uh, I, I, I definitely think that's worth checking out. A lot of people, it's one of the most critically acclaimed shows of the year. On movies, I actually watched Twenty Eight Days Later for the first time last weekend. I haven't oh, watched a lot yeah. of movies recently, zombie. but like, there's so much zombie shit out there. But it's like actually really well done. I'd heard about it for years, had always been meaning to get to it. It's on HBO Max. Highly recommend checking that out. Josh, uh, any any social media you want to plug?
1: Um, oh, yeah, 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 I got my photography account, Brown Film Collective. You can follow me on Letterboxd for reviews. So I've been slacking on movies, but I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there.
2: There we go. Denise, uh, anywhere you want people to find anything of yours?
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, Josh, I promise. I, I make this promise, very empty promise uh, and on every pod, but I, I will catch up on uh, movie reviews. This, is, this um, is my, this is the
2: this is turn. Like yesterday I bullied Joe who uh who who Denise is also done podcasts with this one. I bullied yeah. him to starting a letterbox too. So he is starting to like do like at least one sentence. Like he is like good at those kind of things as I made the pitch to Denise like you can do like a quippy one sentence thing when you watch a movie. That's that's all we want on your letterbox. It was a rom-com, right. correct?
0: That is right. That's me. Yeah. So please feel free to follow <laughs> me until I review another film. Probably this one.
2: There we go. Um, as usual, I'm Josh Jorinovoi, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is the Pod at gmail.com. Send all feedback that way. At the point at which I am releasing these, I'm guessing our next episode will be on Thor Love and Thunder. So uh, everyone stay tuned for that. Thank to Thanks to Denise and Josh for joining, and we'll see you next time.